This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Welcome to Engadget Tomorrow. I'm Imran Sheikh, and this is where you get to hear about tomorrow today. In this episode, we're talking infrastructure and the evolution of modern transportation. Despite decades of focusing our national infrastructure on personal vehicles, Modern folks get around on far more than planes, trains, and automobiles these days. With our city's streets and suburban neighborhoods increasingly populated by an ever-widening variety of vehicles, from e-scooters to city bikes to autonomous EV taxis and internal combustion SUVs, the task of accommodating these competing priorities, ensuring that everybody in town, regardless of physical or financial ability, can get where they're going, is growing ever more challenging. Inclusive Transportation, a manifesto for divided communities by civil engineer Veronica O. Davis, highlights the many failings, both procedural and structural, of America's transportation infrastructure and calls on city planners to re-examine how their public work projects actually affect the people they are intended to serve. Davis deftly argues in favor of a systemic revolution to the transportation planning field, demanding better and more functional training for civil engineers, more diverse voices in transportation planning projects, and undoing at least some of the community-dividing harms that America's past love affair with freeways has wrought. In the excerpt below, Davis examines the relative successes of Washington, D.C.'s Vision Zero Road Safety Program. Policies lay the foundation for many decisions. For example, I worked with a city that had a policy that the curb-to-curb space could not be expanded unless there were extenuating circumstances, and even then, the answer was no. That meant the roadway could not be expanded, but we could do a road diet or narrowing of the roadway. As an example, If a road was 60 feet wide from curb to curb, all we had was 60 feet to work with as we developed alternatives to move the growing number of people moving into the corridor. The city's policy decision was work with what you have and if we are going to spend money to reconstruct the road, it will not be to widen it. Vision Zero could be a path forward as an overall framework for changing policy priorities, but it needs to be more than a plan and it needs to be crafted with the people. Vision Zero is a concept from Sweden that recognizes we are human and we will make mistakes, but our mistakes should not lead to serious injuries or fatalities. One thing that gets muddled as people in the United States attempt to adopt Vision Zero is conflation of the total number of crashes with the total number of crashes that lead to deaths and serious injuries. Vision Zero does not demand perfect records, 
and it recognizes that crashes will occur because we are human. Instead, it argues that the focus should be on deaths and serious injuries. The distinction is important because crashes generally happen all over a community, and people walk away from fender benders and side swipes with minor or no injuries. Other than having a bad day, everyone is alive to recount the drama with their family and friends. But the more severe crashes tend to cluster in certain communities. If you focus on crashes, regardless of the resulting injury, you may move resources from communities that need them more because they are where people are dying. The Vision Zero Plan of Washington, D.C. is a great example of both successful interactions and some shortcomings. In 2015, only a few U.S. cities embraced Vision Zero. D.C.'s plan was one of the first in the United States that included extensive outreach during the plan's development. Over the course of a summer, we had 10 meetings on street corners around the city, a youth summit with over 200 young people, two meetings with special advocacy groups, and meetings with over 35 city agencies. We did not just inform people, we also engaged with them and used their feedback and stories to shape the plan. As an example, after talking with a group of young black teens at the Youth Summit, we removed all enforcement related to people walking and biking. The young people conveyed to us that sometimes crossing the street mid-block got them away from a group of people who may want to cause them harm. The teens weighed their risk of being targeted by violence as higher than the risk of being struck by someone driving a vehicle. In addition, we heard from people that having police-enforced laws related to walking and biking put the community and law enforcement in conflict with each other. Charles T. Brown has documented in his research for his podcast, Arrested Mobility, how laws such as those prohibiting jaywalking are disproportionately enforced in black and brown communities, for men in particular. In D.C.'s Vision Zero plan, enforcement was instead targeted to dangerous driving behavior, such as excessive speeding, driving under the influence, distracted driving, and reckless driving. In a world where we are examining policing more closely after George Floyd's murder, I think plans that re-examine equity in this way should take one more step. DC's Vision Zero plan correctly focused on behaviors that led to deaths and fatalities. However, the plan should have recommended a comprehensive evaluation of all the transportation laws and the removal of any that were not supported by data or did not lead to safer streets. If we are discussing data-driven approaches, the laws should target behaviors that lead to crashes that result in deaths and serious injuries. Moreover, this plan offered recommendations and strategies and did not go further. After the Vision Zero plan was shared, communities were all demanding safer streets. This calls to mind the discussion in Chapter 2 of Montgomery County and the tension about who would get resources. All streets could be safer even if incrementally, and without guiding principles for more of an emergency room structure. DC's Vision Zero program led to resources going to where there was advocacy, but not necessarily to the areas that needed the investment the most. If you have an opportunity similar to this, I emphasize the importance of putting in a framework that allocates resources to communities and areas experiencing high rates of fatalities, and serious injuries, which tend to be the areas with high numbers of black, Latino, or low-income residents, or all of these.
Thanks for listening to the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Today's show featured journalism by Engadget contributor Andrew Tarantola and was produced by Spoken Lair. I'm Imran Sheikh, and we'll talk more tomorrow. Spoken Lair. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.